This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. Many of us presume that if we do everything right, go to college, apply ourselves, and work hard at developing our ensuing careers, we will be protected from financial anxiety down the road. In her new book, Bait and Switch, best-selling author Barbara Ehrenreich reveals that America's middle class is now the loser in a game in which the promise of upward mobility and financial security has given way to a harsh reality of limited social supports for newly disposable workers and no guarantees even for those who have jobs. Aaron Reich is the author of 13 books, including the New York Times bestseller Nickel and Dimed. A frequent contributor to the New York Times, Harper's, and The Progressive, she is a contributing writer to Time magazine. Barbara Ehrenreich, welcome to Weekly Signals. Glad to be with you. And, and how are you doing today? Oh, very good so far. <laughs> now, where are you t- calling us from? Where, where are we talking to you from? I am in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. We're getting on, on a book tour. No, 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 I'm just at home. Oh, well, that's nice. Well, yeah. It's nice to be sitting at home for a day. Now, yeah. you were, you were, were you doing, in this book, uh, Bait and Switch, were you uh, at first doing a lot of the work from home? I, I noticed that you said you did a lot of the uh, computer correspondence uh, online. Did that uh, did it did it start out that way for you when you when you yeah started well, when you're books? looking for a, a white collar job uh, these days you do spend an enormous amount of time I don't know how productively uh-huh. online there are the uh, various internet job sites to post your resume on and then some career coaches uh, advise you to update those resumes daily or weekly mm-hmm. that is even make a tiny change in punctuation. So it will look updated and go to the top of the pile. And then uh, you can apply to companies at their websites. I did a lot of that, you know, researching the company and then applying, telling them how I was going to save them, really, because I was a, uh, applying for jobs as a PR person. kind of goes with being a journalist. Um, and, but I have to say, for all that time spent on the, on the Internet, you know, it seemed like just one big time sink. sink. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, sites like Monster.com, you would not recommend to people? Well, I, you know, maybe it, it works for some people. Uh-huh. But I think that more commonly, uh, and this is true of a lot of the job seekers I talk to, too, is that, you know, it's a black hole. For you throw a, for your a, resume out there. Your resume is joined by thousands of others. Companies now don't even have people who read them. They have computer programs that scan them for certain keywords. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and if you're lucky, you get back an automated email response acknowledging your, you know, that you've applied. So, you know. Did, did you, just out of curiosity, did you gain any insight as to what the, these kind of keywords are? Is there some, and I guess it would vary from company to company, but is there something in particular they're looking for? Do you know? You know, I don't know. Okay. I mean, I thought keywords like public relations and health-related, because I was looking for jobs in uh, pharmaceutical companies or anything else doing something health-related. Uh, that was my big target. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that would do. But then I began to think, no, maybe it's sort of the word du jour, the corporate 
uh, word du jour. Mm-hmm. Like a year ago, I, I suspect uh, that that word was strategic. Uh-huh. And I should have put the word strategic in. I remember when Everywhere. strategic was big. Yeah. 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 Well, everybody is it rem- still big, or has it? <laughs> well, I don't. Everybody remembers when it's a win-win was 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 the was the corporate you know buzz phrase for for. Uh, Why would for you put that in your resume? I don't know. <laughs> well, that's Maybe where the that cre- could be your last. That's name. where the creative writing <laughs> comes in. Well, uh, now you've obviously your uh, previous book was nickel and dime and nickel and dime. I'm sorry and. Uh, now we have bait and switch. This help help us out. What is bait and switch? What do you mean by that that phrase? What? Well, the the bait, the lure, as you said at the beginning, is uh, the idea that if you go to college and you major in something practical like finance instead of philosophy, uh, that you will get a job and you will have security. You will have affluence of a certain degree. Uh, you will, you know, that was the idea. In my father's generation, the idea was, you know, you're a loyal company. Man, and usually it was a man then. Uh, you will be rewarded with a pension at the end. You will make have promotions along the way. Today, I have to spell out that word pension to people because you know nobody knows what it means yeah. anymore. Um, you know, th- so the whole the whole the rules have changed. That was the bait. Uh, the switch today is it doesn't work. Uh, White collar people as well as blue collar people are likely to be bounced in and out of jobs. Uh, you know, for a long time, until eventually they reach the, you know, over-the-hill age of 45 and really are unhirable in today's corporate culture. Yeah, that is increasing. And you have this large demographic with the boomers who are still in that 45 to, let's say, 57, 58-year-old range where they have a tremendous amount of experience and and, experience corporate America, and yet you're saying that they're basically being forced out or, well, or unhirable, I guess. Would be uh, yeah, I mean, you might you know, be laid off, um, and then the question is, how do you get back in? Um, and this is not easy. One of my career coaches that I went to, because I was you know, doing everything to find out how to get a corporate job, uh, told me that my resume should not include any experience going back more than 10 years, 15 max, so that, my, so that nobody could uh, you know, infer what my age was. Mm-hmm. And that really made me think, because that shows experience. Who needs that? Mm-hmm. We're not looking for experience. You know, well, experience you... that can weigh against you. Mm. What are they looking for then? I mean, they're, just to say youth is, I mean, is, is what is the quality of youth that they're looking for? Well, um, they, you're told in this job searching world that the biggest thing that uh, determines whether you get hired or not is you, your personality, <laughs> your attitude. Are you upbeat? Are you positive thinking? Are you um, uh, cheerful, uh, perky? And uh, likable. That word appears a lot. Likeability. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> In your travels, did you find yourself to be likable? <laughs> when you were... I, you know, I don't think... <laughs> I don't think I really have that <laughs> enough. And there was a, a, a funny moment when that was revealed to me. Um, I had gone to a training for PR people uh, in uh, Boston. And I, I was going partly just to net, mostly to network with other PR, corporate PR people. 
and pass out my business card and see if anything came of that, which is one of the things you're urged to do. And we were, um, you know, it was a, a training in crisis management, like when activists attack <laughs> was one of, the, <laughs> one of the subtitles of the seminar. You're kidding, and wow. at a certain point, we got to break out into little groups to take on these case studies. And so here I am with about 10 real PR people sitting around a table, and they were handling our case study exactly wrong. They didn't understand anything. It was about sexual harassment. They didn't even know what sexual harassment was legally. Um, so I, I get very into it and started saying, here's how we can cover up for this corporation. Here's the way to do it. Here's the way to defuse the activists. Um, all right, you may wonder what came over me. Yeah. But yeah. I did too because then I suddenly said, oh, wait a moment, Barbara. Uh, you're acting too smart. You're acting too energetic. You're acting too threatening. And then I pulled back, and I just sat there and, you know, smiled at everybody's inane suggestions for the rest of the time. The fine line between perky and challenging, then, is it? Is it? Well, perky is one thing. Yeah. Perky is when you, you, you know, whenever somebody else says something, you say, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> challenging is you say, I don't think that's a good way to do it. Yes. So, uh, you know, I learned <laughs> a few things. And I have to wonder about our corporate culture after this experience. I mean, in the past, I've been a critic of corporations and of the corporate world generally for being so undemocratic and uh, aristocratic, whatever they are. Um, but I come out of this project wondering, how do they even get anything done? <laughs> yeah. You don't honor experience, you don't honor skills, and you're just looking for kind of nice people, you know, to get along with. Yeah. Well, that's how you got Michael D. Brown running FEMA. Yes. You, you reminded me of something. I'm going to go a little. I'm going to go way off the track here. But I, there was a film that came out a few years called American Psycho. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if you saw it. But yeah, it's not parts of it. Yeah, well, the, the part that you just reminded me of was with, with the pivotal part of the film is the the business card. Who had the more perfect business card? Uh, sort of determined, sort of a pecking order. And oh, I remember that. Yeah. So, so what we, we're really saying, especially in the corporate world, and especially in white collar world, it's 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 more about image than it is about substance. And 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 in in your uh, previous book, Nickel and Dime, you said you you had more fun uh, at least doing the research on that. Do you think that's because at least those jobs were more about substance? Oh yeah, I think it's pretty straightforward in the blue collar world. Mm -hmm. uh, you. You know, if you're a waitress, uh, that meal, you know, the food gets to the table or it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you should smile through. Is it, yeah, that would help with the tips. Uh, the floor gets scrubbed or it doesn't. The shelves get stocked or they don't. There's not all this, um, what should we call it, manipulative mind games about uh, your attitude and so forth and your personality. Now, now you I mean, you can be fired from a blue-collar job for having, quote, a bad attitude. Mm -hmm. But there's not all this emphasis on that as the key to success. And you talked about the personality testing in your books, too, the Enneagrams, and you found those pretty much to be worthless? Worthless? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a rather mild word <laughs> yeah. for it. Well, the Enneagram air, test, so which is used by major Fortune Top 500 corporations, uh, is... Well, it's based on Sufism, ancient Celtic lore, Jesuit mm -hmm. philosophy, and a few other New Agey ingredients I can't recall right now. 
I had no idea how to answer the questions. You get a question, you know, you have to d- determine whether certain words apply to you. Uh-huh. And one of the words was, wow. <laughs> Are you wow? Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, I mean, how do you answer that? <laughs> well, not yes or no, I don't think. I... Well, no, you, or cha- you only get to, you know, pick how much it applies <laughs> yeah. to you. And so that, after the, the result of that test, according to the career coach who administered it, <laughs> was that there are some good sides about my personality, he said. But um, he said that I should probably avoid any occupation involving writing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, it was, oh my why God. hadn't they told me that 30 years ago? Oh, you know? my goodness. Well, you know, it just sounds like corporate America. And this is a, sort of a, as someone who worked in, in uh, a corporate corporation for a number of years, uh, I, I'm, I was always fascinated by how much fadism was, was a part of uh, corporate culture. There was a real sense that, you know, between reorganiz- reorganizing and changing of, ma- of, of management, new, whole new management styles and philosophies would come, in, come and go on a very regular basis. Mm-hmm. No, there, there is. And with that goes a lot of openness to the irrational um, you know, I don't know why, um, but, you know, dependence on completely discredited personality tests, and the biggest one is the Myers-Briggs test, yeah. which has been discredited, has no predictive value. Uh, so that's irrational. It's irrational to believe that uh, your success in life depends entirely on what you, you know, the attitude you project, project out into the universe. All this is crazy stuff. Uh, but, you know... I guess you're right. Fads sweep through, and everybody thinks the same way for a while. Well, it was Drucker for a while. Peter Drucker's philosophy of doing uh, corporate business was was in was in fashion, and I, I'm sure it's changed many times since in many different ways since then. But this was about ten or fifteen years ago. The Drucker model was everybody's way of doing business. Um, but I wanted to go back. Let's let's go back to ask. I want to get uh, some idea, some sense of how much outsourcing in America has created this environment that you talk about in Bait and Switch. By the way, we're speaking with Barbara Ehrenreich, and the subtitle to her book is the, quote, the in parentheses, The Feudal Pursuit of the American Dream. Um, what, uh, what is it about outsourcing, and how is that intersected with what, we're, what you're talking about? Well, outsourcing has, <clears throat> has a big impact on, particularly um, on IT people. Mm-hmm. That's what I observed it. I was, excuse me, constantly running into uh, uh, outsourced uh, IT professionals. But the the general trend uh, toward just discarding people uh, the moment they you, you think you can get away with not having them for a few months, this goes back to the 90s before the outsourcing of white-collar jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a trend led by such luminaries as Jack Welch of GE, Al Chainsaw, Dunlop of Sunbeam, uh, away from seeing the white-collar folks as, you know, part of the core of the corporation, assets to be be nurtured, and toward seeing them as just, uh, you know, more expenses to be eliminated. Mm -hmm. So that, there's a a fascinating survey that um, the conference board did, the business research group. In the late 80s, they asked... uh, uh, they surveyed a bunch of uh, top companies, asking them whether they thought, you know, whether that if a person, an employee, worked hard and was loyal to the company, et cetera, they should have some assurance of continued employment. And in the late 80s, 
86% of the companies said yes. In the late 90s, 6% said yes. Mm. I mean, that idea of some sort of loyalty <clears throat> of the corporation as a group uh, of people has just, that was overthrown way before outsourcing. Did any of the people you encountered, the, uh, the unemployed, the people you were looking for jobs with, did, did you get the feeling that they had a, a political perspective on this, or were they going along with being perky and, and wow? Well, it's hard to say because political discussion is pretty much foreclosed in so many of these structured uh, gatherings for uh, laid-off <clears throat> people. And it was interesting, this came up in a boot camp in Atlanta for laid-off people, uh, Somebody complained, one of the people there uh, was not unemployed, but was complaining about uh, overwork, because the flip side of downsizing is the people who are left behind and now really do the jobs of two people. So somebody was saying, you know, they want 14 hours a day now, meaning the companies. And the coach who was running all this interrupted quickly and said, who are they? There is no they. There's only you. You have to change. Hmm. It's your attitude, etc. Oh. Yeah. I, I want to, uh, yeah, and and I want to go back to what you were, we were talking about just a minute ago with the uh, with this idea that uh, uh-huh. the uh, the the more experienced need to be jettisoned at the first opportunity. Um, is if it's not outsourcing, it, it is some kind of corporate mentality that says we can basically eat our young in a way. We can get we can pay them less and work them harder. How much is it about the the upper management getting these exorbitant salaries and bonuses and the whole nine yards where these guys are making tens of millions of dollars? And we're talking about, obviously, the highest level of these corporations, but many who sit on the board and the vice presidents are taking incredibly high salaries. And how much has that impacted what we're talking about? Yeah, I think that's part of the whole, of the whole picture of what's wrong with corporate America. Uh, the average, <coughs> excuse me, the average CEO today in the United States makes ten million dollars today, two thousand five, ten million dollars a year. Uh, now, the what's really shocking about that is how out of line that is. Not only from what American ordinary workers are paid, but how out of line it is from even what CEOs are paid in other countries. Yeah. The ratio of CEO to average worker pay here is over 400 to 1. In uh, Japan, it's like 20 to 1. In Germany, about 14 to 1. Are our CEO, CEOs really all that? So you have um, a tremendous bloat at the top. In fact, I suggested in my blog recently um, that, you know, if you really want to save money and cut costs and have make corporate, American corporations leaner and meaner, just replace the CEO with an undocumented immigrant <laughs> who will work for six or seven dollars an hour. You It'd know, probably you, be you more competitive. <laughs> much more competitive. Yeah. Let's globalize those guys. <laughs> well, it, yeah, it's uh, it has. In fact, I just I remember from uh, the statistics in the seventies and eighties, and these at, at that time it was grounds for activism. Was that the right ratio was somewhere around forty to fifty times that of the average worker? So oh, those were the ancient days. Well, and, and and people were mad about that. And now we are. You're talking about these are these are numbers that 
I think are literally beyond the comprehension of most Americans. Most Americans either don't believe you or can't fathom the fact that these guys were just testifying before Congress, the oil executives. One of them made over $230 million last year. So, oh, I read about um, ExxonMobil's CEO making $25 million, but yeah. One of them made last year, with bonuses and everything, $230 million. Well, may I ask, do you guys know how you could spend that? (laughs) I'd have to hire people to spend it if I had that much money. Well, it's just... You know, the first million, I I can imagine... I'd lay off some employees (laughs) first. First thing, yeah. Well, first, those laid-off employees would be working on my yacht and in my (laughs) garden and all of that stuff. No, no, no. So, uh, given that, that business is the most... Uh, popular undergraduate major in America right now, uh, Barbara Enright. What do you recommend for uh, MBAs these days? Is there a place to go? Do you do you think that's a, a good career opportunity, taking a business major? Well, the first thing I say to undergraduates is don't give up what you really love for a dull major. You know, I run into so many kids in college as they say, you know, I'm really interested in psychology. But I know that would be impractical, so I'm going into marketing. Well, maybe marketing is just as impractical. <clears throat> you know, don't don't make that decision um, lightly without thinking that, yeah. you know, realizing that the promise of security is not there. And then if you are interested in business and that's what you want to major in, I would say do it thinking of how you are going to use those skills in a meaningful and socially conscious way. Do you want to start your own business? Do you want to work for a nonprofit? Is there some particular business style or product or something you want to bring to the world? Don't just think, I'm learning these skills so I can sell them uh, to whatever corporate recruiter comes along. We're we're running uh, running short on time. I'm going to ask you, uh, uh, basically, is the American dream dead? Can we revive the idea that you've, that we described at the beginning of the program, which is you go to work for somebody with an expectation that somewhere down the line you'll be appreciated and you'll have an opportunity to retire with some with a, a pension. Is that are, are these things dead? And if or can we revive them? Can we bring them back? That's pretty much dead. Hmm. I, I would say, um, with the relentless elimination of pensions for people, the relentless cuts in health benefits for people the growing job insecurity uh, of middle class as well as, you know, blue-collar people, that's over unless we really make changes in this country. You know, unless we're able to organize uh, in a a grassroots way, because I'm not waiting on the politicians here for help, uh, for for good jobs, uh, for, um, you know, for a safety net, uh, for all the things we need, universal health care, so on. Yeah. Well, on that, yeah, on, I know what you're saying, and, and, and it is it is a matter of how far down will we go before people come to the realization that they, they need they need these things, that these were a, a social contract and, and that we need to have them. Um, well, I, I want to thank you very much for being here on Weekly Signals, Barbara Ehrenreich. The, uh, the new book is Bait and Switch, The Futile Pursuit of the American Dream. Are you going to be in uh, the Los Angeles area any time soon? In the- no, no, I've just been there, but um, okay. uh, can I uh, ask uh, listeners to visit my website, barbaraehrenreich.com, uh, and post your own story. And I have a blog there, and you can find uh, a growing list of local um, contacts you could start networking with. 
So that's barbaraehrenreich.com. You can go for you for anyone else uh, or anyone wants to can go to the Weekly Signal site and we will link from there into uh, into your website, barbaraehrenreich.com. So So bait and switch, terrific book. Uh, Please uh, check it out. Thank you for being a part of Weekly Signals. Oh, my pleasure. To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles. Until next week, I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. And this is Weekly Signals. <laughs>